Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to the Shrimp and Sivret Show, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Shrimpy, welcome back. I see you're still in uh, upstate New York. Uh, happy birthday. Happy Canada Day as well. Uh, tell me a little bit about tell me a little bit about what happened uh, uh, for your birthday or also Canada Day. Yeah, so as, as I like to refer to that from your guys' side of it, the Rob Shrimp Day, I kind of stole your holiday in 1986. Uh, it was a great weekend, actually. Is, is one of the big reasons I came home was, uh, you know, besides seeing family, was my buddy was getting married. Over the weekend, so I was the best man at that wedding. So we had Friday was my birthday, and uh, we went for a you know birthday slash pre wedding round of golf, and then uh, Saturday we had the rehearsal dinner, and then Sunday we had the wedding, and then Monday we had the Fourth of July. So it's been a, a lot of celebrating over this, these last four or five days. It's nice to come back to to be a human and, and relax a little bit and get more of a routine, but. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It was great to see some, uh, you know, a lot of the people at the wedding were people that we grew up with. My buddy was getting married, Tyler Zinsmeyer. Uh, we grew up playing from like eight years old till 12 years old. We were on the same teams. We traveled like everywhere together. It was such a tight click. So it was really awesome to see a lot of those people again, the Kozalas, uh, you know, a bunch of families, the Haney's um, were all there. So our parents were you know, thick as thieves growing up and we were as kids as well. So it was a great weekend. It was great to be back home for my birthday, my family and, uh, friends and, and um, yeah, it was awesome. It was a great weekend. It was something I've, I've missed for a long time. Obviously being on the road since I was 15, I'm, I've only been home for, man, it's hard to date myself. It's 20 years of travel and I've been home for probably three birthdays since then. So it's pretty cool to get back and then also have it wrapped around that buddy's wedding and being the best man at it and celebrate their marriage. It was, it was really cool. So great weekend for me. How about yourself? What have you been up to? I know there's some big news for today. Uh, we should get out there and have our listeners here. I want you to walk us through it every minute, every second of the shot. Yeah. I mean, fortunately it all some, a day I'll remember it was obviously the draft day in 2022, but uh, I just had a, I had a round set up with uh, Drew Doughty and uh, actually Corey Perry was supposed to play as well as my father-in-law, but uh, he couldn't make it. <clears throat> and Corey uh, is still sort of resting uh, some of the injuries. So uh, it was just Drew and I, we just walked the course. So we played the Lennon hunt club at, I think we teed off at like 7.45. I think we were the second or third group off. Uh, just walked it. We zipped through in about three hours. But uh, the eighth hole, ironically enough, Drew Doughty wears number eight. So we walked <laughs> up to it. Uh, you've played it. It's a little <clears throat> island green sort of. Uh, you got to hit over some waste area. Big uh, oversized bunker. Or sorry, oversized uh, green. Uh, double tiered. Uh, the, the pin was at the front. <clears throat> and 
uh, it's a, a massive green, so it, you can, it can be an 80 yard shot or it can be a 150 yard shot. It's, it's, it's absurdly large. So, uh, the pin was at the front and it was just 99 yards. So, which is a tough little shot because there's a bunker just on the far side of the hole. So anything long, you're in a bunker, you're hitting back to pretty much over the green into a wasteland. So <laughs> the safe play is just to sort of hit to the fat part of the green and which is sloped. And I was just like, I'm just going to hit this on, make my par and get out of here type thing. So I <laughs> hit the ball um, in the air. Drew was like, well, this could go in, which I'd hardly ever get it close to the hole. So that, <laughs> that, I'm like, yeah, good, good yeah, thinking. Yeah, good one, buddy. <laughs> so I ended up, it landed, I don't know, maybe like six feet past the hole to the left. And uh, just sort of trickled down, like the, the greens were rolling pretty good. So it just sort of like dramatically played out that it just kept going and going and going and until it ended up disappearing. So, uh, yeah, it was my first first hole in one. He like, I mean, he was sort of getting mad at me because he celebrated hard. He's a pretty emotional guy, right? Like he was hooting and hollering and cheering. And I'm, I'm sort of just, you know, <laughs> happy to be there. Um, <clears throat> but he ended up, Drew ended up hitting it on. Um, made his par as well. So we, we zipped through the the hole pretty quickly, but yeah, it was my first hole in one. It was, uh, it was good to be with obviously a friend and Drew at my home course and uh, on draft day. So yeah, I was, uh, that's awesome. Been looking at for it for a long time. Uh, I think the closest I've got is maybe a foot, but uh, finally it found the, the bottom of the hole. So I was fortunate for that. The uh, <laughs> we have insurance at our, at our uh, course. So, uh, I think every member pays it into it. So I, I didn't have to foot the bill for the entire tab. But, um, there, everyone is pretty uh, happy. Everyone is pretty happy in the, the morning to get a, a cocktail or two for free. So uh, welcome I, to the club, buddy. That's awesome. That I indulged awesome. a little bit, but I knew we had to get it back on the podcast. So here we are talking hockey again. But yeah, yeah you, got, you have a couple, right? Yeah, I've got three. Oh, wow. I actually had a, I had a sick one with my old billet, Tim Harrison. Oh, yes. This yeah. is a good one. So we're playing with my billet brother, Brett, and my wife now was with us just in the cart rolling around with us. And Tim, Tim, uh, Brett and I were playing and we got up to, I'm not sure. I think it was 11th hole out in uh, Dorchester uh, golf course. And it's a blind shot, like a huge mound in front of the greens. One of those greens where the flag's massive, like huge. So you can see where the flag is. Can't see the green at all. Tim started telling me like how you should shape it, how you should play it. And he walks up and he hits it just how he said to play it. <laughs> And it, go, it looked nice. And so then it was my turn and I went and I hit and I'm a lefty. He's a righty. I'm a lefty. So as a lefty, I shaped it the other way of what he explained. Cause obviously different side of the ball and I hit it. And honestly, I thought I heard a clink and I look over and Brett and Tim were walking back to the last green cause Brett forgot his club. So I, I didn't want to say anything. I was you know, like, whatever, it probably was nothing. So we walk up to the green, we're walking, looking around for like, you know, we walk up, we drive up to the green. There's no ball. So we both grab wedges. We start walking around, looking around the green, looking all over the place, looking long, looking short. And then we look in the hole. Both of us made a hole in one in the same hole at the same time. <laughs> so sick. it was wild. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And, and to do it with him, he's someone I look up to and he was great to me and awesome Bill family. And Brett's an awesome kid. He actually got drafted last year. I believe it wasn't to Boston in the third round. So um, pretty cool story and, and something, you know, we could share that for the rest of our lives and great. Yeah. Golf is awesome. What a game. Uh, that's cool. And and like and to do it with your billet too. Like I know billets are are a huge part of hockey players growing up, right? Like I was fortunate. I had a, a younger couple in um in Murray and Steph Saunders in North London. And um the Murray was a fireman and, and Steph was a school teacher. I had a, a nice Victorian house. Uh, I was pretty much had my own apartment. I had the third floor to myself and hot tub. Uh, 
Toby, yeah, you remember uh, we had a I had a pretty good setup, and uh, you know, I still to this day they're a couple kilometers down the road for me, and I still keep in contact with them. But obviously, a big part of uh, your your growth and maturity as a player when you know you move away from home at the age of you know some 16, 15 years old, and you're planted into a, a new home that you know have rules and different than your parents and you know they, they made it very accommodating for me and I know uh, you had a couple of billets that were uh, really good for you as well so yeah no just that's it, cool to, to be able to to share that with your with your billet dad that's awesome yeah it was cool we had a blast we had a good time so today's a special day we got the future of the NHL coming in draft day 2022 um, have you had a, what do you, what do you like? And, and do you have any opinion on, you know, there's a lot of banter going back and forth about who go number one and who pick, you know, um, is it going to be right? Is it going to be Slovakian kid, Slavkowski, Slavkowski? Um, what do you, would you have an opinion on that? Or what do you think about that? I don't know. I, I mean, Wright was an exceptional status player in the OHL. Uh, I think he was fifth this year in the league in scoring captain of the team. I think his maturity is there. There, there, there's a lot of comparisons to him and sort of a a Patrice Bergeron who is my age and has played in the league since he was 18 years old and a a dominant player every single year he plays both sides of the, of the ice. So um, I would probably lean a little bit more that way uh, if hopefully Wright can turn out to be like a Bergeron. Um, But I, I do in saying that I do like, um, what I saw with the Slovakian player in, in the uh, world juniors and uh, the Olympics, right? Like he, he lit it up. Um, so big game, big stage player. Um, I, I, I don't know. It, it's hard to, it's hard to say what Montreal would do. I think, I think if you build your roster through the middle of the ice, like you have Suzuki as a, as a centerman and then, and then you come back with potentially a, a right for, a long number of years like that that foundation i think is is going to be pretty strong right when you have guys that can play the middle of the ice very well i think that's an added element um that the only thing i didn't really like and i I don't know if it's it's just being young or maybe it was a a, i don't say it's a misquote because it was a quote but when they did ask um shane Wright about you know where he thinks he could play it's i guess it's a loaded question he sort of came back with, I think it was the, the, the amount of work and, and time and effort he's put in. And I, and I have heard that he's a machine workhorse. Like he's just addicted to hockey works out all the time. Like, he, like that's, he's just, his MO is hockey, like eat, sleeps and breathes it. Right. Um, but when he responded with, you know, like I, I deserve to be first overall, like no one really, you can't really say that. Like, I know if we can rewind the clock and if Rob Shrimp said that in 2000 and three like people's heads would fall off right yeah. or 2000 and whenever we drafted 2001 Four, or 2004 but you know what i mean like i was just like i don't is that is the new thing now to be ultra confident like you you were yeah you were ultra confident but everyone said you were cocky right like oh, yeah. like and, and now it's now it's switched to oh yeah this guy just like spews confidence well love it love it yeah. that's amazing you know there's one story I think it was Clayton Keller walked into a meeting and said, you know, you're not going to, are you, if you don't take me, you're basically passing up on the next Patrick Kane. It's somewhere in those lines. It's not, a, I'm probably maybe butchering the quote a little bit, but it's in those, in that ballpark was that's where his confidence level was at. And his statement to a team in a draft meeting was that if I am the next Patrick Kane, 
And like, to your point, you were saying that I saw the same thing and I thought the same thing, you know, the interview was going well. And then all of a sudden he dropped that. I deserve to be, it's kind of like, that's a little bit entitled. Like hmm. I've earned it. Maybe. I don't know. The words probably came out wrong, but it seemed like a pretty nice setup interview, teed up interview, um, you know, kind of well-trained in the media, sort of, so to speak. And to it drop could, that, I, I didn't like it. It, it could have just been a bad, yeah. Like, and I don't, I don't think like, I don't think he would, I don't, I, I don't know the player personally, so I'm sort of speaking vaguely, but to be, a, you know, nominated to be a captain at his age for his team that did very well this year, a good player. I, I wouldn't say that it's maybe the way he is. I just, it, it sort of threw me off when it, like you said, I was, you know, it was a great interview and then I, that happened. And, and obviously we're, we have lots of time to overanalyze it. It's a split second. He just said a word or a line. Uh, I just found that interesting. And, and I, and it immediately, I thought of sort of you, right. Cause I'm like, everyone's like, Oh, Rob Trump, you know, so cock. Well, Rob Trump was confident. Now everyone that has confidence is thought of and confidence and skill are thought of being like the net, you know, what's like, wait, it, oh, to, I'm, I know a guy that, you know, that that was a, his knock. It was like his, his, he's too skilled or whatever. And too confident with it. It's like, or cocky or whatever. It's like, just interesting to me how the, the shifting goes. What, what's your, I mean, I know you've done a, you, you've seen the European players quite often. What do you, what's your take on who, who you think will go first overall? I, I don't know if it's more about like who, who's gonna, it's more like, who would I, you know, if I was taking it and just knowing the European style game and Slavkowski, um, just apologize if I'm butchering that name, Slavkowski. Um, I like it. Like that Liga, the, um, Finland, uh, Finnish league Liga is a very, it's a man's game. It's a very physical game. It's a very tough game. So having that experience already is huge. And they placed very structured there too, right? Very structured. European yeah. He's, league. he's got great, uh, great habits in his game already as a young winger, you know, he stays close to the puck. He doesn't cheat. He doesn't fly around the neutral zone. He stays back and he st- you know, waits for the play to come up with him. Um, very responsible in the offensive zone as an F3 and, and finding the quiet areas, not cheating and not jumping in when he's not supposed to. So he's got some great tangibles, great habits already to his game. And that's instilled. I think again, what I would do not to say what's going to happen is, is that I, I like that about him. He's a big kid. He can play, he can skate. He's got good hands. He protects really well and he's doing it against men. So for me, if I was in that position, it'd be hard for me as a general manager with the number one over pick to take a kid that's in the junior ranks, you know, yeah, it was an exceptional player, but uh, we both played in the league in the OHL. You get to a certain point, he's played there four leagues. It's a little bit stagnant and you're playing with boys versus he's playing against men. Big difference in, uh, in where they are as far as today. Now, as far as future and where they're going to develop, that's always a crapshoot. You're never going to know that. But as it sits today where Slavkovsky played last year compared to Wright, I, I would be kind of leaning towards that kid that's played the men's league already and would be able to come in and handle himself against bigger, stronger players. And also the thing is too, with, with that is, uh, you know, for, for right, he's had four years of being dominant and lighting it up. You never know how he's going to handle those setbacks. You're not always going to light it up. You're not always going to tear it up. There's going to be sometimes maybe some downtimes. And for Slavkowski, like he didn't have a, they don't, that's not like a hundred point season, right? Like you don't go over there to, uh, sorry, the finish league and tear it up. It's, like a half a point a season as an 18 year old is a big year. 
like really big. So I think handling those, you know, not being such a point producer, so to speak, might be easier for him mentally. Um, those are just some fine things that I think about when it comes to the two different players, where they're playing, where they're coming from. Uh, it's a little bit different, you know. Do, do you think now, like, let's like put your GM hat on a little bit. If if you're th- thinking that and Montreal, obviously the, the draft is in Montreal, there's there, there's a huge buzz. You maybe want to try to make a splash. How how much do you want to stick your neck out and try to go get the first and second overall pick if it's if it's available? You know, like I, I've heard it's being tossed around that it's you know we're listening, but like how much how hard do you go at that thinking I can grab two really good players, very very good players, and my nucleus is sort of young as is, right? Or is that? I don't know if they have the pieces really, to be honest with you, to go after that. What would you give up? And I don't know if these are two, we're talking about two very good hockey players for sure, but I don't think, in my opinion, and I might eat these words someday, but I'll say them out loud. I don't think they're two generational players. The one, two, you know, like getting the Sedin twins, that those are generational players. They were huge for Vancouver for many, many years. I don't, I don't know. And they changed the game a little bit, you know, not this major impact like a Crosby did or, you know, uh, that sort of thing. But I don't know if these are two generational players that you'd want to give up the farm for, or what, what would that, you know, what would go in a trade there? Like what pieces do they have? Would you give up an Anderson and uh, who, you know, like, I don't know what's there to give up, but um, I don't know if, I think that would be risking a little bit. Again, these are two very good hockey players, but I don't think they're going to have that massive of an impact to go ahead and, and sell everything. Yeah, I, I just was curious to, to see your thought process on it because, like, I, I think you have a good coach in, in Marty St. Louis there. I think what Montreal's doing is 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 looking, like, trending up. You have a guy that's going to be very strong work habits with his young players. Um, I, I just – I was just curious is, is if – what is – what can you get? Or what would you have to give up to get potentially one, two, right? But, no, I, I mean, I love your analysis – um, and uh, you know what, I, I'm, I'm actually interested in not so much the first and second overall pick or third, uh, in the middle, in the middle rounds, there's a kid from uh, Michigan. Uh, he's a 2004 birth. And, and when I, when I coached, we played against, I coached the Elgin Middlesex chiefs currently right now, I coach the London junior Knights, but at the time, uh, we were in a tournament and we played uh, honey baked who obviously has a, a good team always. And there was this kid, Frank Nazar, that, that. He was a centerman, right shot centerman. I think he maybe played a wing a little bit, like r- smooth, good decision-making, po- poised with the puck. Uh, he'll be a middle-round pick, I think, or maybe late first-rounder. Um, but our buddies in London, the London Knights drafted him. And so he's committed to uh, Michigan. And it will be interesting to see what happens after he does get selected, right? Like now you have to think of how much pressure does the – does a GM or an ownership group put on a player to I, I, no, no, no NHL team is going to tell a player where to go. Right. But the, the college route, you're, you're waiting a couple more years to get there. And yes, you are playing against older um, players. So you're going to mature fairly quickly. You play less games, you know, how, how much is it like, well, maybe you can go to London, which is, arguably one of the best CHL teams or spots to be with the media pressure, fan pressure, 
um, constant, uh, pretty good stand, uh, turnouts in the standings. And can can like did the Knights steal someone? I think they drafted him in like the fourth or fifth round in the OHL, but he, he had made it clear that he wasn't going to come. Yeah, you know, yeah. sort of like okay, we'll see, sort of sort of thing, right? Like it'll be it'll be interesting to see if the gamble play, paid off for for the Knights if uh, to see where he goes and what his sort of path is. You know, if if the team sort of wants you to get to the NHL quicker, I think you would maybe lean a little bit more towards the CHL. Um, just because it takes a little bit longer to get into the NCAA, but but I mean I'm, I'm sort of speaking without uh, huge knowledge on on that, but I, I do know that the the U.S. game is obviously greater. I know you were going to touch on uh, the U.S. program uh, and what it sort of how it's changed since you've played, but I, that's a, that's a player that I just I'm interested to see just for someone who lives in London to see where he ends up and sort of what his his career path is. Like I know he's committed to Michigan and, and maybe he will go there, but how much pressure do you think a player like that will get from uh, the, the NHL team to maybe want to play more games and be under the microscope a little bit more media stuff? You know, I don't be interesting to see. Yeah. It's in, it's very interesting uh, from the U S national development team program. I mean, it, they're doing great stuff there with the development of the players on ice off ice. It's swung around a lot. And the same thing when, when they go to university, they're really getting a ton of off-ice work. You know, it's obviously less workload as far as games. Um, that piece of off-ice, you know, developing as a young man and getting that frame, getting your body set up and, and the workout habits and basically building your body up to a place where you can go against men, be strong enough to play against men. You know, it's, it's tricky. It's, it depends on – I don't know the situation that well with this player. I don't know him that well. I know he's ranked around the 20th pick, around 21st pick in a lot of mock drafts. Um, but that being said, like Michigan had five first rounders on their team last year, you know, like stack Owen Powers stayed for another year to try to win. We touched on that, I think, in one of our earlier podcasts about how hard it is to win. And even with a stack team and a stack everything, stack goalie, stack D, stack forwards, you can always win. But um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see where that goes because. I feel like there's a big shift in balance in the game right now. It used to be like that where the mindset was to, well, if you want to get ready for pro quick, you go to the OHL. You know, I know that definitely was my thought process. And a lot of people asked, did you ever think about college? And for me personally, it was no, because I got pretty advanced at 14, 15 years old. So I would have had to stay at the junior level, not OHL, like either USHL or North American Hockey League. Uh, or stay in the Ontario Provincial League, one of those three junior leagues for four more years, roughly, or three more years. And it just didn't, it made, didn't make sense. So I want to advance and go to the NHL. But now it seems to be where there's bigger balance there. Like players are going one or two years to college. They get to, you know, they get drafted. Then one or two years of college at 20, they're ready to go, ready to kind of, again, build up on their body a little bit more. Um, so it's, it's interesting to see what will shake out. But I, I don't know that the mentality has changed definitely where, kids are a lot more kids are coming out of college to the show. Um, I think, you know, especially from our time, it really was, I felt like more major junior heavy and more major junior, the scouts and the team managements were really putting pressure on like, Hey, if you want to play, mm-hmm. you're going here, you know, and, and you kind of had a decision to make. It's tough to make that decision. If you're in that seat, <laughs> you know, your NHL team's telling you what to do to push back against. That's really tough, but um, yeah, that'll be interesting. So, uh, but I, I feel like seeing the draft and seeing, again, a lot of the mock drafts, a lot of the um, 
you know, the focus and seeing how many t- players the NTDP has lined up in the first round. Last year was a big year for them. Again, this year, they've really done a great job because it used to be a model where it was more geared towards getting kids into college and division one scholarships. And now it's really seemed to, again, balance out on the opposite side where they're d- developing both. They're developing really high level 17, 18 year old kids coming into the draft that are getting those division one scholarships and then going into the NHL and doing very well. So it's good for me as American to see that shift. And that was one of the reasons to be honest, uh, when I didn't go there at 15, 16 years old or 15 years old, that was the reason it was more like, we're going to play four lines and there's not really a power play. It's more like who's up next goes on the power play. And that didn't, in my opinion, didn't fit me well. You know, I was trying to take my game to the next level and having that modeled, didn't fit for us, you know, and that's why we decided to stay here and play Ontario Provincial Junior instead of go to the U.S. program. Great setup, but like that part of it, I wanted to, you know, sort of develop and advance at that high level type of player position. And it was more geared towards, again, spreading everything out equally. So it seems to change a little bit now, and there's some studs coming out of there. And it's great to see. It's great for USA hockey. Um, happy to see it. And start to get some numbers up there where I can start chirping with you Canadian boys. Cause that's what all you got, you know, the draft and all your NHL guys. And now we're starting to come, we're starting to come kicking boys. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think the, the, just the growth of the league um, throughout the U S has, has sort of built that, right. You're seeing players coming from Florida and California and Arizona, like places that you, like when you were growing up, you're like, if we play a team from Florida or where I, I'm, you're getting eight goals, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they've done a really good job of that. And yeah, there are like, I think that's where when world juniors now is, you know, I, I think as sad as it is, like, I think I don't want to say sad as a, as a Canadian, but I, I think the U S has, you know, sort of the upper hand when you get to um, the world juniors, because there's just so many young players playing in the U S now. Right. But um, if just I have a couple of kids that that uh, that are in this area that I coach and and skate with us in the summer that are up for the draft. I don't know if if uh, one will squeak into the first round or not, but I'm hoping that they uh, they get an opportunity to get selected. And I guess just the process of being selected. I know for for me, I was passed over in two two drafts. I'm a year older than you. I was passed over in in two drafts, and then uh, we won the World Cup. I won the um, World Juniors, and then the CHL Defense of the Year, and our draft was on not the internet. A big deal. Yeah. Not and our draft was on the internet. And I'm like, for, it sounds stupid, but for a kid that's wanting to get drafted all the time, I was passed up two years. I'm thinking, okay, opportunity. It would maybe, maybe be better if I didn't get drafted because yeah. then I can sort of, I'm, I'm sort of the free agent on the market type thing as a CHL defenseman of the year, but I was selected um, by Edmonton and I found out by clicking refresh on my, computer because we had an internet draft so my draft experience wasn't uh as good as i know the 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 players that will be uh, having it tonight in montreal but just wanted to hear about your uh scenario with your family and uh the build-up for the draft and and sort of how that plays out for everyone that isn't drafted and doesn't get to go on state like how is that as a player and what, what all goes on after yeah it was it was intense our my draft was in uh, north carolina Carolina Hurricanes Arena in 04, and it was it was crazy. Like I had 125 people came down to the draft, whether through friends and family. So it was a it was a big ball of energy and a big buildup. And uh, you know, I think NHL the NHL had me mic'd up and not a camera on me. I was you know kind of projecting the top ten. So it was they had the cameras going and kind of focusing in on me. So it was 
it was crazy because we had the basically had a whole section <laughs> of people that came with us and it was it was great though you know because that, that was such a build up over years of anticipation obviously playing youth hockey with a lot of these people and their kids um so there was always all that talk about me making it to the nhl so that that became the day for the draft and the moment that it was going to come true so to speak so everybody came down and it was it was electric you know it was just anticipation waiting to see where you're going to get drafted sitting waiting um yeah it was it was a lot of emotions for me personally like that again being projected top 10 and then i sort of slipped so uh i can't you know if i did like the typical give the politically correct answer kind of talk right now like i was oh, it was groovy and great but to be honest with you it was like nerve-wracking and crazy because a lot of the draft meetings after 10th pick were in the meetings they were like you're not going to come you're not going to be at our pick so i don't know why we're talking to you but if you are we'd love to have you so from 10th pick on every time a pick came up, I was like, Oh, Oh, <laughs> so you got to like 22nd, 23rd pick. It was like, I was just kind of a little bit frustrated, a little bit like what's going on. You know, you start to wonder like, what, like what happened? What did I do in my meetings? Like, did I screw something up? Like, man, all these people are here. Like I'm disappointing people. I'm disappointed. Like this sucks. And then boom, name gets called. So it was a ton of emotions. And then, my name got called like all 125 people were clapping and everything. So it was, it was a lot of emotion in, in a, you know, about an hour's worth of time. So um, yeah. And then afterwards you get, you know, you go up to the stage, you meet the staff and um, for some reason, the coach wasn't up for my draft picture. I was a first round draft pick and I didn't get a picture there with him on stage. And then up in the, we go up and meet up people in the booth uh, upstairs in a box every team has their own suite and you're going to go up there and mingle and have some hors d'oeuvres and get to know the team and take a draft picture and the Jersey and all that good stuff. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a wild couple of hours to be honest with you. It really is because it's, it's like years of work and build up and anticipation and it, and it comes into a couple hours of, of that. So it was unique and, uh, you know, obviously something I'll remember forever. And I did have like a quote at the end, when I walked off the stage, I get the mic right in my face as soon as I like literally stepped off the stage and then like, boom, Mike, like, Hey, so Rob, what do you think about falling to number 25 overall? And I was like, well, I guess I got 24 teams to prove wrong. And then that That's was it. like a statement. And I was like, uh, you know, when I ended up getting to team the draft to me in Edmonton, and that, that was like kind of getting chirped because they said that, oh, you, you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it's like, I don't know, just to your point earlier to play off of it. I, I never understood it because I believed in myself and didn't have a problem saying what I thought that sometimes backfired for me, maybe a little more filter, but I am who I am. I always have been who I am. So um, that statement was not anything to say that I'm better than anybody else. It was more of a statement of like 24 teams passed. Well, actually technically 23 because Edmonton had two picks in the first 25, but 23 teams to prove wrong. And that was my, you know, immediate thought. So I said it and uh, yeah, <laughs> got shirt for it after. <laughs> the, it's the, the shift in, Arrogance to confidence is uh, interesting now. And um, I, I know just from talking to Drew today when we were playing, I sort of asked him his his process, right? Because um, uh, his was in Ottawa. And he, going in, he didn't he knew he wasn't going to go first overall, but he was either going to LA or or, Anna, or um, LA or Atlanta as two or three. So uh, I just sort of asked him his process. And uh, a player drafted, obviously, that high, they get scooped away, right? He's like, I don't even remember what. I was like, well, you would have for sure sh like went around and shook everyone's hand around the. And he's like, I don't even remember. And then I'm like, what do you? He, but he said afterwards, he said, as soon as you get off, you're like, you're 
shuttled through media and interviews and then you're doing pictures and he said you're like for about an hour you're doing things where you just want to like celebrate with your family or grab your phone and like you know so but it was interesting to to hear his you know he he was a obviously a highly touted guy and and knew he wasn't going one but didn't know if he was going to go two or three so um yeah it'll it'll be interesting to see where where some of these players go but um I know for for me and I I know I know from co- coaching young players, uh, they're, they're still young individuals. Like they're, they're, they're still boys. Right. And, um, sometimes I think, uh, we forget that as ever, like as media, as management, these are still boys, as much as they're going to hopefully turn out to be these men that you watch on TV and their faces are on billboards and everything. They're still boys at the time. Right. And, um, I wonder how much the, I, I didn't have a, I didn't go through a combine and I know you, you would have, so uh, you'll have to explain your experience there, but I, I only had one, one interview with it, with a team. And then we went to the uh, hotel and they did a bunch of players and I walk into this boardroom or the conference room. And there's like one table in the middle with two individuals sitting at it. And like, it's, it seems like the longest walk to get to this table where I'm like, Holy cow. Like, it, it's, it was probably 30 feet, but felt like eight kilometers. Right. <laughs> then, then in this meeting, I, you know, I introduced myself and they introduced themselves and then they, uh, I, I don't know. I, it, they just asked, they asked like three point blank questions. One was, are you uh, independent or dependent player? Right. For me, I was a, you know, a, a fairly puck moving puck friendly defenseman and I could sort of play with a, another puck moving D or a big state home D. So I was like, I, I would be an independent player. Like I don't rely on someone to give me the puck. I go and get it and try to make a play with it. And, um, you know, are you, uh, what was it? Are you, wh- who would you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I don't want to say don't. 
to spill the beans on what team it was. But the other thing that they asked me was if, if I were to be in the NHL, would you be an offensive defenseman or a defensive defenseman? Right. Easy for me. Off offensive. Like I'm not Chris Prong or six, five. And there was another question and it was just a sort of a one word answer. It was just a multiple choice pretty much. And then afterwards they're like, okay, thank you. And I was like, okay, three questions with, it was like a, it was a pick that pick a or B for all three questions. And I tried to elaborate a little bit on it. Cause I'm like, I can't just go and like, uh, yes, this one, this one, this one. And then I'm walking out of the room going like, did I just blow that? Or like, was I, was that like, what were they, what are you getting out of me by asking me these questions? Like, like you didn't find anything about me or my character. I don't know. Maybe they did in, in those questions. So um, just the, just like the mental warfare that sometimes I hear goes on, you, you would have had more experience with a, a bunch more teams doing it. Were there any, you don't have to say the team names, were there any like situations or questions that got extremely uncomfortable or, cause I, I do know that they try to, prod players into these yeah. absurd which I, I don't agree with personally but yeah it's pretty it's pretty intense you know it's some play some teams 10 play, uh, people in there from the staff set up this kind of aura in there like you are like back to in a corner and being interrogated almost it's really bizarre uh in my opinion you know that's the thing in mine was mine was tough like i had a really tough combine i had 30 i met all 30 teams and i had a pretty tough year the year before the draft year you know i got traded to london i asked for that trade uh, i got benched in playoffs in my you know western conference finals and our our series there in guelph so i had some some things that were kind of difficult and then when the teams were asking me through through a lot of the meetings teams would ask me what happened and then they would be like bullshit what really happened what'd you do you're a punk you're lying it was like that, that kind of stuff was like, oh, I felt like I was getting bullied back to a corner. And I was like, you know what I mean? And then it was really bizarre in my experience. And I remember one story specifically, like got into the meeting, going okay. And one of the people in the staff asked me a question. I forget what the question was. I really do forget what the question was because I, I got pretty heated. So he asked me the question and I started answering it. And he picks his leg up, crosses it, and then opens a newspaper like, whoosh. <laughs> opens it like loudly and starts reading so i'm like okay i guess i won't talk to him the one that asked me i'll guess i'll talk to the other 11 big bad boys that are in the room at the time and tell them this answer and so then i get done with my answer and then he puts the paper down ask another question started answering the question phone starts ringing picks up the phone answers it right in the middle of my answer and i carry on to the other 11 big bad boys and then the final straw. So now I'm like rattled and confused. I'm like, this is disrespectful. Like what, what's going on? This is not in my head. I'm not saying anything. I'm just trying to stay cool and calm. It's the NHL, right? Like you dream of getting here and now you're here. And now this is like, this is awkward. Like you're like, am I, am I blowing it? Like, this is, I'm pretty sure this guy's off sides. Like this is unbelievably disrespectful. Third question. I remember very, very directly. So what type of player do you think you are? And I said, I'm an offensive player. I create offense. I'm, you know, I'm very good on the power play and I can create points for a team. Before I, like, before I even got it out of my mouth, that I, that's what I did. He's like, you think you're, you think you're offensive? We got a guy that's in the same league as you. He's got 150 points. You had 75 points. You think you're offensive? And then I just kind of looked at him and I said, you know what? If you don't believe that I'm a good player and you don't think I'm an offensive player, then don't draft me. 
thanks for the meeting. I'm going to go now. And I got up and walked away. I walked out the door and I remember clear as day. I think it was Adam Penault was standing right outside the door and his face just looked at me and I looked at him and I was like, I don't even know what just happened. I just like, you know what I mean? I almost blacked out, but I just got into a point of like tip over and I walked out of the room and I don't know, maybe I'll regret that the rest of my life. I don't really regret it, but maybe it's one of those things, like you said, did I fail or did they like it? I don't know. I never know. They never got like a report card. You don't get a report card after your combine of like, Hey, this meeting, this is what you did. Well, you know, next time, try this. You just walk out of there and you'll see who drafts you. So there was a lot of that though. A lot of like, you know, you're 18 year old, was 18 year old kid. Not even, I was 17 year old kid about to turn 18 and, you know, and majority of my meetings, there's 10 much senior adults in there just like, I don't know. I don't know if I agree with it or not. Maybe there's a system there that they have and they understand how to crack players and they want to see the reaction. I don't know. I don't know if there's an answer there, but it's pretty awkward. And I think if I could put myself in the shoes of one of them, when that kid came in, I would have different ways personally of, of getting my answers of what kind of player it is, different kinds of questions. And it wouldn't be so much of like, let me pound this 17 year old kid in the ground until he cracks and says something really stupid. Just my what, thoughts. What do you, th- what do you think comes of that? Like, what, what are you going to, what are you going to get out of like, what are you, what are they mental warfare trying to do with flipping the newspaper up in front of your face? Like, do they expect you to, grab it and throw it and say, you know, get in their face, like a, some sort of football movie, you know, <laughs> yeah. like you listen to know. what I'm talking about. Like, yeah. Like I, I respected a lot of people who were in that room. There were some really big names in that room. I knew who they were and I understand the history of the game. So I know some of these people are, but I'm also a human. And it's like, again, when I get back in the corner, I, I fight. And I don't know if that's not something that, then that was my point. If that's not, if this is not you poking me, poking me, poking me. I, I, what do you want me to do? Take, 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 like, in hockey, you can't take, take, take. You got to push back. And how I did, I maybe, again, like I said, maybe my combine went a little bit wrong, but that's how it was. A lot of back into a corner I fought. But I think it's, um, it's, it's, really, it's really bizarre. I don't know. It's, <laughs> if I think back on it, again, 30, I, this got to the one point, I got so long with this stuff, like getting just Do you get like, a break? Do you get a, You said you did 30 teams. Like, like you're talking Rob Shrimp 30 team tour is, how long is this? Is this a whole day? Oh yeah. And you go room to room, you know, and sometimes you wait like the top, I think it was, uh, I want to say it's the top 40 players projected in the draft, whether European or North American were there. So you're waiting in line for some meetings, some meetings take longer. Like Dallas did a full evaluation. I shouldn't have, whatever. Dallas did a full eval. Like you went through a psychology evaluation, like look at the picture. What do you see? Kind of thing. Um, Other teams were different, but you go from room to room. And I remember it got so long for me personally. I got to like uh, the Chicago Blackhawks. They were like probably on 21st on the list of, of my meetings. And I came in, I sat down and, and uh, one of those gentlemen had just said, hey, I like your shoes. And I, I, brought, we, I had a beer with him a couple of years ago and he brought it up. And my answer was like, oh, I'm like, what's wrong with my, my shoes are wrong too? Like, what's wrong with my shoes? He's like, no, man, I'm just telling you nice shoes. <laughs> that's but like, that's the level. Like I was at by 21 meetings of like berated, berated, berated. I just thought like, okay, everything's wrong. Like I'm just a shitty human being. Like, I guess well, maybe I shouldn't even go to the draft. <laughs> <laughs> what, I should just quit hockey. What? Okay. So what, like, that's the mental warfare side of things. Like when you went to the combine, like what you, you had to do like physical, like did any teams do physical testing or did, was it just the, the, the one that the NHL does, for everyone it was a combine so it was a fitness testing and then you have all those meetings so 
all those players come for that testing. Uh, like Ovechkin was there. Everybody was there. Everybody in the draft was there. So you do the fitness testing. And then the next day, the second day is your combine, uh, your meetings. And then in the combine and the testing is the same. Like you're working out in front and everybody's sitting there and taking photos. You get taking photos with like, you know, tarps off and like side angle, what your quads look like, all your, you know, basically like a meat like market. A, like you got a big market. So like you go, you go in front of the camera. It's just Rob Trump there. And you're doing like a front side. Yep. side. side. Okay. Yep. I did try. I never. It's so awkward, man. It really is. It really is. You just like, it's like a, it's like a meat market, but. I guess that's our sport. And then again, the second day you get to meet with everybody, talk, and then they, they have their questions for you. And so, yeah, it's, it's was there, interesting. Was there any, were there any meetings? Like I'm assuming that the newspaper guys didn't draft you, but were there any yeah, meetings? No, <laughs> were there any meetings where you, where you left being like, no, well, that was like, like not in a negative way, more of like, a, well, that was, that was good. You know, like, yeah, there, yeah, there was, there was four or five that were, that were really good. And, and again, like I said, after 10, the meetings would really like beat up and then they would be like, well, you're not even gonna be at our pick, but if you, you know, whatever, if you are, then we'd love to have you kind of thing. So it's like, I don't know. Some of the meetings were like that. Some were bad, like the whole way through, just, they didn't give any ground of like serious interest per se. You know what I mean? It was just kind of like questioning everything that happened the year before. And then, okay, it was nice to meet you. Good luck. And then there's other teams. There was, you know, again, like four or five teams that were like, you're not going to be at our pick. We love you. We'd love to have you, blah, blah, blah. Um, you're not going to be here, but, you know, good luck in the draft. But So then those picks came through before 25, and <laughs> then none of them took me. Were, were there were there any, like, hockey questions? Like, were there, were there any situational questions at all? Like, I'm just curious, or, or was it all just sort of like, you know, you lay down in the chair and like, what do you see in this picture? You know, like what, what yeah. is it a psychology quiz or, or do they actually want to find your hockey IQ? You know, personally, it was all about, uh, personality and character, nothing about hockey. Like if you had this situation on the ice, what would you do? None of that talk. How do you see the game talk? I didn't have any of that talk, which I think personally would have boded well for me if I could have just talked hockey and not about getting benched and, asking for a trade and then told I was a liar for the answers of both, you know, like that's, that's what kind of sucked for me. It was just, they went after like pain points and then just stuck on the pain points. And then after 30 minutes, you're just like, fuck, someone just get me out of here. <laughs> it's the worst thing ever. Such a pressure cooker. Again, if we could have just talked X's and O's got a board up and talked or even talked about like, where would you put this player in the lineup? How would this player fit in? A, if you were coaching a team and those kind of things, like those kind of questions, hockey IQ and understand the game. I never got a chance to really talk about, but. I think that would be, yeah. Yeah. Like I said, yeah. if I was in that role, that's probably where I'd go with it. How do you see the game? Yeah. What do you see? Like if this player gets to go out in this situation and you're here in this spot, supposed to bubble ball, like how do you react? You know, how would you manage a bench? How would you set up a power play? Like these kind of things would be picking a part out of a player more than, yeah, you got shitty shoes on and you're a punk. You want to try me? Cause I got my 11 buddies in the room with me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I'm with you. Like, I think it, and, and maybe teams do it nowadays. I'm, I'm not sure. Hopefully they do. But I, I think it would be wise to almost show them some clips of either themselves or even just your own team. And like like the NHL, the Buffalo Sabres, right? You go and meet with the Buffalo Sabres and they have a couple clips of them getting scored on or them scoring. And, and you watch it and say, why, why do you think we got scored on here? And the player has to, like people with hockey minds can watch a, a clip or, 
a game and and break it down easy like well we you know the net front coverage was a little loose or uh the d didn't box out or you know they allowed the point shot to go through something like there's going to be something hockey related that you can explain on it just be interesting to see if if teams actually do that now or if maybe they're in the future they might just to be able to see if a player knows hey. Hockey, I would love right? to be, yeah, I'd love to be a fly on the wall for when they try to do that stuff with like Europeans. Cause the Europeans are like language barrier and they're also very direct and they won't ramble on. So when they ask like a question, you get like a two word answer. It'd be really awkward for the, you know, for the guys trying to be the bully, so to speak, and like angle a player into speaking. They're just like, yes, no, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's like, I think it'd be funny to watch. Speaking of that, the European side of it, I'm that's a, watching the draft now and seeing how much is in there in this first round for the mock drafts, at least when we talk a little bit about it a couple episodes ago about European development and the Swedish model development in junior. You've seen a lot of these players on the first round draft selection, uh, I guess, in the mock drafts, but it's very interesting to see where a lot of these players are coming. It's not so North America dominant anymore. And, you know, it's, it's very unique. And I think it speaks well to the, where the growth of the game is going. I'm not sure what walls have fallen down for that to happen. Maybe some of the samples of these, you know, big stars that are in the NHL now, again, the Swedes are really big, but you're seeing some checks come up. So Slovakia player, um, different sort of, uh, you know, we got Marco Casper coming out of Austria. He's playing in Sweden for SHL team, but he's come from Austria. So I think that's exciting for the league to know that there's, you know, other countries are starting to knock on the door producing product for the league. I think that would be good overall. And maybe even when we start talking about maybe expansion, because you have a different pools now to pull from Germany, Austria, Slovakia, you know, Sweden's been there, but it's kind of growing even more and more. Do, do you think you having played over in Europe, do you think it has to do a little bit with sometimes you you'll get players from North America that have run their course in the NHL and would rather go, you know, you're getting paid a little bit more over in Europe than, you would in in uh, in the AHL and the minors. Do you think that ha- having sort of older marquee former either NHL or high prospect players go play in in certain countries, whether it be Slovakia, Germany, Sweden, do you think that elevates their their own brand? You know, like it, like they're they're sort of bringing back what they were just learning in in the NHL at say the age of thirty one. And now they're being able to be on a team with a, a predominantly younger European group. And you're almost like coaching from within. I know that's not the philosophy with, with what they're doing. They're trying to win hockey games as a, as a club, but do you think that plays a part in it where it's, it's just, a, you know, sort of elevated or escalated their, their playing style or, or in hockey knowledge? I think it's, I think it does have a big part the, the imports coming over to Europe and basically bringing their information with them in the way that they play, the way they do things. And I think it's been a long time that this is happening and they starting to see the game balance out. You used to see the imports come over and tear it up. And now the imports are coming over and it's like a point of game and the league is starting to evolve. A lot of the, not the league, a lot of leagues are evolving and developing and a lot of great players are in there. And I think those nuggets of information, how these North American players come over and what they bring is huge. It's, you know, cause I remember even coming over to Sweden, like in the beginning, it was kind of like, you can't do that. And I was like, well, watch. And again, the co- yeah, I'm cocky. I don't care. It's okay. Like I'm confident because I put in the hours in this game 
to be good at it, very good at it, and understand the shape of it, whether it be in North America or Europe. <coughs> understand the game of hockey very well. So when they would say stuff like, you can't do that, my answer is, watch this. So you start to break down walls for them. The way that they've seen the game for such a long time and the information that they have over, you know, from youth age and the older generation teaching them, when you bring somebody new in or a different piece of information and different um, solution to some problems that would happen on the ice, again, seeing it from a different perspective, that helps break down walls. It helps them see the game a different way. helps them see what is possible inside that shape, not always the same thing. Uh, I think it's huge. And I think that's, it's filtered in through all the leagues, especially with the North American hockey, with the AHL, with the, uh, the veteran rule. And a lot of, a lot more North American players have had to gone to Europe to, to find work. So they've gotten a lot more. It used to be top end guys, usually NHL guys and AHL guys. Now you're seeing a lot of East coast guys even come over that are very good hockey players. Just aren't going to get their chance over here. have decided to go to Europe and play again. They're bringing that knowledge and that information into whatever country they go to. And it's interesting to see which countries and it's interesting to see the different ways that the countries uh, welcome the players and welcome the information. Some players, some countries and some teams, I should say countries, some teams bring the imports in. They're like, you better make us win. You know what I mean? And some places bringing these imports in like, no, you're going to come into our system and you're going to help us learn and grow and you're going to grow with us as well. And I think that's powerful to combine the two, like going to Sweden to learn the way that they do things, but also bringing in a new nugget of information, a new way of playing some new thoughts into the game. It's super powerful. So uh, I know from my experience in the KHL, like it wasn't like that. It was more like, you know, kind of for lack of better terms, gun to the head, you better, you know, perform or you're out of here instead of what do you know, what can you help with our, our sort of Latvian hockey um, and what kind of information can we share back and forth? It was more like, okay, you're not helping us when you're out. So it's different in different countries, um, how they, you know, sort of, again, accept that information or what they do with it and how they use it to, to better their development and learn. Um, it's, it's super impactful. And you see a lot of it too. There's a lot more North American coaches going to Europe as well to get some opportunity, get some growth and see the game, different perspectives and coach different styles. So um, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of moving parts there, but, um, information is exchanging and different perspectives of the game are coming on both sides of the pond. So the game is expanding overall, which is, which is pretty cool to see. Yeah. Especially with this draft year, I'm interested to see, I, I know that the world junior championships, I think they're going to try to play it in August. And then I think the plan is to have the following year be right when it's supposed to be. I'm interested to see how the, the next year's world juniors turns out if all of these european products they're going to be the ones in the tournament unless they're in the nhl but it, it'll be interesting to see and i and i'm one of those guys that always sort of pulls for the the underdog at world juniors right like i'm always wanting you know it used to be i always wanted switzerland and germany to to do well well now they just do well right so it's it'd be interesting to see how how the uh, the world junior tournament turns out with all these prospects coming through and, and you see it. it used to be you know canada us canada and then like you see Sweden getting in and Finland, Czech, and like they're they're all coming now. So it's it's a great it's one of my favorite tournaments to to watch. I know from rewinding the fact when I was a kid, it used to just wake up and you know you're you're not going to school. It's Christmas break, so you're 
you're pumped as is, but you're like just glued to the TV to watch uh, the new up and coming stars that will hopefully be in the NHL. But no, it's a, it's an interesting take on it. if you, let me ask as like the development guy now. So if you were to have uh, a, a 18 year old player and he could play in any European league for his own development, his goal is to, to obviously get to the NHL. Where is he where is he going to go? He would go to Sweden uh, Super Elite U20. And that's where they do a very good job of development on ice, off ice. Um, their model is much different, much more patient, and it's from the ground up. And if he were to come there not in such great shape or not in Sweden shape, Swedish shape, they would take the time to build that play, uh, player up in nuts. Uh, Yep. That's what I like about it. You know, it's, they don't, they don't take everybody in, you know, it's, it's not easy to get in there. Um, they have their own product, which they've developed. These kids are really going 11, 12 years old. They, they're really, I saw it in Shaleftia and in Moto, the way they develop their youth players. It's, you know, they take it seriously, they, you know, especially Shaleftia and Moto it's small towns. There's not much else to do. Just like when I was a kid, I spent my whole life at the rink. So are these kids and they're doing it kind of smartly. I did it just by in Fulton, New York, the rink was six blocks away from my house. I went and shot pucks and got whatever piece of slab ice I could whenever it was free. They're doing it now more like with a model, you know, small area gains and development and, you know, not crazy off ice training, but starting to get them in that mentality of, you know, the gym is part of it and nutrition. And then that's why you see like 16 year old Swedish kids are more like 16 year old Swedish men. They're 16 years old. They're living on their own. They're cooking on their own. They're literally living on their own, showing up to the rink every day on time, never showing up a mess, not making a mess of their apartment, all this stuff. They're much more mature and much more ready. In my, again, from being on both sides of it, I know, <laughs> I know that for a fact. I know like you give us a, a place to live on our own at 16, like not to say that we burn it down, but like probably not cooking for ourselves, probably be at Subway every day <laughs> thinking we're eating healthy because it was the grilled chicken on a wheat bread. <laughs> you know, like, it's much different. So uh, Sweden would be the choice and it is a lot of choice. The kids in Europe, I work with a bunch of kids like that U 17, U 18 and their desires to go to Sweden. So, uh, but everybody's knocking on their door and they got, again, they have their own homegrown products. So you have to be kind of an elite level to get in there and you got to be ready to take it seriously and take a stab at making it to either their professional team, which a lot of those teams, their youth programs come under like Rogla is a top end team, very good in development. The Abbott brothers are there. They're Cornell grads. I played against them when they were for Lulia. Uh, they're doing a great job there. And it goes down. All the teams in the SHL have youth programs and they're sort of developing all the way up from like U12 up and up to U20. And then they hopefully they eventually either get drafted in the NHL or they're uh, ready to play for their SHL team at 20 years old. So for us that don't know over North America, that 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 model, like it, it are they now under contract with the automatically with the elite league team or do they become sort of free agents if you've you've been developed through you know would you say scleftia or if you've been developed through that program are you now automatically just the right of the property of that elite league team or no there's a youth level in there with that youth you know u20 u18 uh is how they go and then, so after your U18 year, you'd have to like re technically re-sign. It's obviously an amateur contract because NCAA is still an option for those kids. Um, but then again, once you get to that U20 year, um, or if you make it before U18, you're ready to jump into the SHL. They rip that up and give you a pro level contract, pay you accordingly and, and that sort of thing. But you're not obligated. 
But what they do is invest in that player the best they can really not using them. And it's not a numbers game. It's they invest in those people, those kids. And then if they get to the point where, you know, if they're 17 years old, they want to go somewhere else, they're, they're more than welcome to, you know, and they're, they are technically usually sad to see them go, but you know, they don't hold back. And it's, Sweden's a great model because they, you know, they're, they're backed by the government. So ice time is, uh, you know, they don't have that big cost on their ice. They got a lot of free ice, a lot of time to develop the kids. And, and when you get there, you do get a lot of ice time. You can, you got your hour of practice time in some teams, some places you can have an extra hour or two individualized time to, to do whatever you want. So, uh, it's pretty cool, but yeah, you don't, you're not obligated to be to that team. You can move around if, if need be. Interesting. I, I just didn't know if it was, uh, if it was sort of like, you know, so I think the soccer program, I think over in Europe is similar to that, right. Where it's like, you're, yeah, yeah. you're with them for long periods of time. Just didn't know if that was the same, uh, for hockey, but, um, switching it back to the draft a little bit again, if you put your, your GM hat on, right. If you're a, if you're a Colorado, uh, you're, a uh, a Tampa, you're a Florida, you know, a Toronto, like how, how do you gauge potentially offloading a pick to get a player that can help you now? Right. Cause every year guys get older and older and older. Right. So, you, you know, it's ebbs and flows in, in development and, and success, but at what point, at what cost do you think some of these teams that are, you know, in, in contention right now, which you would see, you would seem to be the top, you know, eight teams that are potentially odds makers, make them the, the favorites to win the Stanley cup. Do you offload a couple of players and hope that you can scoop up some guys in, in trades or what do you think? Or do you, or do you just go through it every year being like, you know what, these are our picks where, taking players, building the foundation, and hopefully some of them come through. Such a tricky spot. You know, the market always changes and the drafts always change. Again, like there's two, the top two kids. I mean, there's a bunch of kids, coolies up there. There's a bunch of kind of similar type of players that are very good hockey players, but not generational players. So each draft is different, and it's tough to say what point, you know, at this point, what's available in the draft, and then what's your scouting staff doing? And this is something where I believe, you know, like, a guy like Mark Hunter is unbelievable with, he sees all sorts of players with his own eyes and, and the people that he does have on board, he trusts them very well. And they've done a great job in London. He was doing a great job with Toronto, but knowing what's coming in the second layer, not just in 2022, what's in 2023. Is there some good stuff out there? Some diamonds left in 2023 to give up for this year to add, you know, it kind of goes year to year. And again, is there generational talent in this? For, I hope I'm not eating my words or have to eat my words eventually, but I might personally watch in the highlights of these kids. I don't see a generational player. So I think this would be a draft where if you could give up some picks to get some players to help immediately, I, I would, if you're asking me to put a GM hat on for sure. I don't see that in the market in this draft. So um, it really does go year to year. And then again, what is your scouting staff seen in the next generation of players a year down the road and two years down the road, right? You'd want to see, the 17 year olds this year. And then the 16 year olds kind of coming into whatever leagues they might be in USHL, um, Ontario provincial OHL. What's that next crop for 23, 24 look like. So that kind of gives you that gauge of, can I unload now in this year to add for the pro, the NHL team, the big club, get a player for that, you know, immediate need. Um, I think this year would be a good year to do it personally, but I'm not a, season general manager it's just an opinion but in my mind that's where i would be thinking is if we needed an immediate need this year i, I would be willing to give up draft picks uh to help the immediate 
big club. Yeah, it, it just it's an interesting thought process because the 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 players are sort of getting I don't want to say pushed they're they're earning their way into the NHL but they're doing it at a quicker rate like you you're you're getting an opportunity very early compared to you know how it sort of was where you you play in the minors for a couple of years and I and maybe that's the a part of it being the uh, veteran rule in the AHL they got rid of right so so you're gonna have a lot more younger players that you can select from I guess maybe but uh, it just it, it, it's interesting to see how it'll be interesting to see tonight if if there's any big movers or shakers and in, in the draft as far as trade trades go right like it's yeah there's a lot of moving parts with the cap and I, I understand all that but if you're a team that that deems yourself to be fairly close like at what cost is a first rounder for you to acquire a certain player and, and will a team do that you know yeah i think you know bring myself into it i guess edmonton could have really traded their 25 pick in 04 or something else maybe immediately instead of using the pick but yeah it doesn't always shake out too you know so the first round whether you know it's first round it's an honor to be drafted first round's a big deal you've earned that means at that moment in your career you've risen to that top level but for the future of a team just because there's a first round slab on it doesn't mean it's you know again it's going to be an earth shattering uh player for you again there's going to be another pick in 23 Another twenty four each year. There's going to be a new one, so um, it's yeah. It'll be it'll be fun to watch. I'm excited for the draft today. Uh, my dad and I sat out back in the yard today, had a stogie to celebrate our draft day in 04, 18 years ago. So uh, it's a great day. It's fun to watch. I love seeing all the action, and it's fun to watch on the floor all the phone calls and that this, that, and the other. Um, I'll give you one last story. I mean, at my pick when I got the twenty fifth pick by Edmonton, uh, they they were chatting it up at the table i don't know really what was going on at the table they took a timeout even they didn't know what they were going to do so it was again waiting like i think the timeout was three minutes extra additional or something like that sitting there waiting and then eventually they went up and kevin prendergast called my name edmonton or select the 25th pick overall rob shrimp and then it was pretty cool but the, the point being is like that the action at the tables is so much it's so cool you know and it's calling boom, cell phone landline uh you know things moving around and then you know Batman or whoever's up on the announcement board, we have an announcement and then everyone's like, Woo, you know, it's like action. So it's pretty cool. I'm excited for the kids and all the kids that are getting drafted today and tomorrow. It's uh, good luck. And uh, you know, the works just starts now, you know, it's not the end all be all if you don't get drafted. And it's also not the end all be all if you get, do get drafted, whether it's first round, second round, anywhere, the work just begins. And I could be the uh, one of the first people to tell you that from firsthand knowledge and experience, it's not uh, the work's not done. It's just starting now. So good luck to all the draft picks going out today and we'll be watching. No, I'm not, and I'm with you. I, I, I went to a couple uh, drafts with my dad, just as a, you know, as I was in the NHL or under contract uh, with teams, just as a spectator. And, and you're right, like the energy in the building and to be able to see team, you know, you, you're just watching the t the floor and seeing a, a GM go over and talk to another table. And you're like, Oh, maybe he's going to move up and, or, Ooh, maybe he wants this player. Like it's it just the, <laughs> The, 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 the process that goes in your mind thinking that there's going to be so much. And then eventually you do hear that we have a trade to announce and everyone's like, Oh, it's, I can't wait. But uh, you know, I'm, I, it was fun. Um, obviously for, for me, our, our draft was on the internet. I understand um, it's a, it's a great time for uh, families and players and anyone who has built, helped build the player, whether it's a minor hockey coach, a parent, a billet, a uh, development coach, skating coach, like, high school teachers, elementary school teachers. There's a, a lot of people watching it and 
Um, and especially being in Montreal, I'm sure they'll put on a pretty good show. So uh, I'm with you, Trumpy. It was good uh, hearing your stories. And I do wish the, the players the best of luck. And in the draft, I'll obviously be watching with you as well. And uh, I'm glad I got a little bit closer to you in, in hole-in-ones. I still need to hit a lot more greens than, than you to make to, to catch up. But um, anyways, next next week, we'll uh, we'll touch on uh, free agency and, and we'll start to get into a little bit more on development and, and process that, uh, you know, I think parents and, and players can uh, take a, uh, take some knowledge from what we have to say on on what potentially could help them get to the the next level. But again, always good talking with you. Uh, say hello to your family for me and uh, follow us uh, on social media at, at Rob Shrimp, at Danny Sivret, or at the Shrimp and Sivret Show. Thanks. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Shrimp and Sivret Show. Don't forget to subscribe to the Nation Network YouTube channel to watch all of our video breakdowns. 